Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Love Podcast. Well, today, I want to focus on a phrase that our church has decided to embrace as the focus for this year. Our pastor shared with us that there's going to be an indefinite amount of sermons, and whether they're in a row or scattered throughout, but it's all going to center on these two words, rejoice always, rejoice always. Whew, always, Lord? How do we do that? What about the things that happen to us that are not a cause for rejoicing? How do we still rejoice in the midst of that? Well, he took some time this past Sunday to look at Philippians chapter 4, where I think Paul gives us a little better understanding into what that means. The actual phrase, rejoice always, comes from 1 Thessalonians 5.16. And you might be familiar where it's 5.16, 17, and 18, where Paul said, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. All right, let's hear that again. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And looking at my dad's commentary, um, I had a suspicion, and it was nice to find out it was true, that when he says, for this is God's will. It's not just the giving thanks. It's all three. It's always rejoicing, praying continually, giving thanks. These are the things that we do in all circumstances. For this is God's will. Doing all of these things together is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. But again, there's the phrase, rejoice always. How do we do that? What does that mean? Is it rejoice about everything? For everything? Rejoice always. Lord, can you help us a little bit? Well, again, now Philippians 4.4 is another place where we hear this, where he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. There's our first clue, is that our rejoicing is in the Lord. And even our pastor this past Sunday was talking about it's in the goodness of the Lord. It's in the goodness of God. It's in the certainty that he's in all these things and that he's working for good and that we're trusting him, but that rejoicing is in the Lord. And in another place, Paul in Romans 12, 12, a similar phrase, he says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. But there it is, be joyful or rejoice in hope. And so it's more about that future anticipation of what God is doing. Rejoice always. And I'm glad that many of the translations actually stayed with the word rejoice, because even this thing of be joyful, sometimes we can misunderstand that as, does that mean I have to somehow always feel joy? And that's not always going to be the case in every moment. I mean, life's just not like that. Things happen, and you're going to have varieties of other kinds of emotions, but It's a verb meaning be joyful or be glad, where in particular, it's an expression. It's not necessarily the experience of joy, but it's the continual expression of joy. It's it's kind of what you say and what comes across in your face as you think about in the Lord or you think about in hope. There are things we can think about that are the triggers for joy, even in the midst of other things that happen. And of course, remember that Paul's very, very weary when he says these things, both in the Philippians letter, in the Thessalonians letter, and even in the 2 Corinthians letter, Paul's very familiar with difficulty and suffering. In Philippians 1.29, 
He says, it has been granted to you, granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Remember in the Philippian letter, he's wrongfully imprisoned in chains, and yet he's rejoicing because he's watching God do amazing things in the midst of his imprisonment. But it's normal. Hard things happen, and yet he says, but I rejoice. But I rejoice. I want you also to rejoice with me because God's still accomplishing amazing things. It's almost that thing in a couple podcasts ago about good drama is anticipation mingled with uncertainty. I mean, he's just anticipating that no matter what the uncertainties are and how the day unfolds, there's always something to rejoice because God's at work in me or through me and among others. And so he can say, let's rejoice. Or consider 1 Thessalonians, where he says that he's aware of the fact that he says, when you guys, chapter one, he says, when you guys came to know the Lord, he says, we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message, and here it is, in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. These guys were undergoing severe suffering. And then later in chapter 3, he says, I sent Timothy to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. So clearly, these guys are undergoing severe suffering, Paul calls it. Now he calls it trials. And then he says this crazy statement. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. Remember in Philippians, he told that church, it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe, but also to suffer for him. And so he says, you know quite well, we're destined for them. In fact, verse 4, 3, 4, he says, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith, and I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. Recognizing that there's a real enemy out there and that persecution and suffering and trials and difficulty, I mean, that's the enemy's number one thing, is to get you focused and first to doubt God, right? Talked about this over the years, but his number one goal is to get you to doubt the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the love of God, and that you'd become self-absorbed with what's happening to you and perhaps become bitter or complaining about it and griping and, oh God, you know, how can you let this happen and have an attitude toward God? And yet, Paul encountered these kinds of things. I mean, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Paul, aren't you supposed to be rejoicing always? No, there's moments, friends. <laughs> Paul's be the first one to admit it that stuff is happening. And your initial response to it is that this is really hard. And it can create despair. Or later in chapter 7, 5 and 6, he says, When we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. We were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside and fears within. And then he says, but when we were downcast, God came and comforted us. So five things, he says, that no rest, harassed, conflicts, fears, and downcast. I mean, Paul's still a real guy. He's a real human being and experiences real difficulty. 
And yet somehow he's saying, be ready to, to rejoice still. Express joy to God. And the real critical question is, how does this happen? Well, the first verse that this whole theme started off with, again, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, what I really felt like the Lord was impressing on my heart is that what is God's will in all circumstances? What if we do the verse in reverse order? Lord, what's your will in all circumstances? in Christ Jesus, as we're facing every kind of circumstance, what are the steps? What is your will? What, what can we do in the midst of it? Even being able just to offer up to you, Lord, this is hard. I'm struggling. I'm in pain. I'm suffering, whatever it is. And, and remember again that Jesus wept with Mary and Martha in their struggle and loss and pain and that he showed compassion and showed empathy. And so again, it's not that God is discounting our struggle, but in those circumstances, what are we finally trying to get to? And I think Paul, in reverse order, really helps us understand of how can you get to rejoicing? How can you get to being joyful again? And I think the first thing is giving thanks. Now he says, give thanks in, not for. Please be sure of that. We don't have to give thanks for these difficult things, but give thanks in. And I think ultimately what that means is that you're asking the Lord, Father, what can I still be thankful in the midst of this? Our pastor, Brian, he gave this example like you step in dog do, you know, and you're disgusted and you're mad and you think about it, you know, you know, people are supposed to pick this up and take care of this and they don't do that and don't do this. And then you get grumbling and it's inconvenient and it smells and it's a mess and it's well, at some level, yes, it would be irritating. But somewhere in the midst of that, I don't know what, how fast, but somewhere can we suddenly go, okay, but even in this circumstance, Lord, where can I begin to be thankful, to be thankful for something? How can I see something good or different? Or, you know, as I was sitting in, in my seat there on Sunday morning, as Brian's telling the story, I'm thinking, you know, God, I would love to have this new knee jerk that even though it's true and it's somebody was irresponsible and didn't do what they were supposed to, and now it's really messing up my foot and my shoe and my life. And But can I pause for a moment and go, Lord, what can I be thankful? And one of the things is, Lord, yeah, that you've been working in me to be considerate of others. Lord, how many times have you been patient with me when my irresponsibility made a mess for somebody else? Or, Lord, help me to pay attention that, yeah, you know, are there areas in my life that I'm leaving messes for people? I'm not taking care of my mess or I'm being irresponsible. Lord, thank you for all the times you've been patient with me. Thank you for all that you've done for me. But is there a way to give thanks? Is there a way to thank God for what's going on in our own lives and what I can learn from this situation or remember times in the past of the way he's demonstrated kindness or mercy, which then turns into pray continually that in the midst of it, right, is not the next thing that we would do is giving thanks is a kind of praying, right? You're talking to God, and but instead of complaining and moaning and making it all about you and your irritation and God curse that person, you know, and shame on them, and I'd like to give them what for. You know, can we turn our attention to you, ask you, how can I give thanks in this situation? And then help me pray. But pray like, yeah, Father, help me to love my enemy, to do good to them, to bless them, to pray for those who mistreat. Like, 
How do I see this different? How do I pray about it different? How do I see opportunity? How do I see, Lord, I pray that you would accomplish this or accomplish that? And how do we turn this prayer into something about what God's doing? And as we're giving thanks, as we're praying through this stuff, it seems that it has the possibility of bringing our joy back, returning joy, just remembering who he is and what he's done, that he is good and that he's working something and what he's done for us and will continue to do. But it's just, it's focus, right? It's, it's how we turn our attention. And the interesting thing is the fact that it's not the only time that he puts those three things together. Earlier in chapter 3 of Thessalonians, he says this, How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in his presence because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. There you have it, right? How can we thank God enough for you? So in the midst of all this stuff and their trials and whatever, but Paul is thanking God for them. And then night and day he's praying most earnestly for them. And he says, how can I thank God enough in return for all the joy we have in his presence because of you? That it's this giving thanks. It's seeing it different. It's praying in a different way. And in the midst of thanks, in the midst of prayer, there's a joy that seems to return where Paul's like, it's crazy, but while I'm doing this, we're just feeling such joy in God's presence. Or in um, Philippians, that passage that I began with where he says, rejoice in the Lord always, 4-4, four, four, but we're going to go all the way through 4-7. through seven. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a little longer thing, but you see is that you may be feeling anxious about something, but he says, rejoice in the Lord. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Well, how do I get there? Well, he just said, remember that the Lord is near, present your requests, prayer and petition, but do it with thanksgiving. And what's going to happen? The peace of God that transcends all understanding is going to invade your life and cause you to rejoice in the Lord, to rejoice in hope, to rejoice in anticipation and confidence of what God will do. Or even consider this at the very beginning of Philippians, He's introducing the letter and he says that I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. There it is again. I'm thanking God in my remembrance. I'm always offering prayer with joy. Thanks, prayer, joy. Right? Are you seeing this happening here? Somehow, some way that a big part of joy returning, the ability to feel joy and express joy, it has a ton to do with where we're finally going to place our focus. We actually have on the website, there's resources, there's all kinds of verses. And one of the verses we have is called Sources of Joy. And it's there where the Lord says through Psalm 1611, he says, um, I've made known to you the path of life and I fill you with joy in my presence is as we turn and engage His presence through prayer and thanks, joy can come. 
Or he says, I will satisfy you in the morning with my unfailing love that you may sing for joy. It's as we engage and think about and notice his love again. Or he says, as you remain in my love, my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. That the Holy Spirit is a part of releasing joy in our lives. That there's many ways, but it has everything to do with our focus. Are we going to turn our attention onto the inconvenience or the pain or whatever? And again, not to minimize. There's the appropriate moments to engage in that. But it's where are you going to set your focus? How soon can you offer that and turn your attention back to, Lord, is there a way that I can give thanks? Help me to pray. And as I'm doing so, oh God, that I would watch joy and expressions of joy and delight return into my facial expression, my tone of voice, what I say and do, they can just sense that joy has come back. Well, I want to finish then with just allowing you to hear this from the Lord, these two passages, Philippians 4, 4 through 7, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. So listen. Beloved, rejoice in me, your Lord, always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. For I, your Lord, am near. So do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to me, your God. And my peace, my peace that transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. For this, this is my will for you in Christ Jesus. In all circumstances, give thanks, continually pray, and always Rejoice. Oh, thank you, Father. Help us to really let that soak in. And Father, really help us in the midst of our trials, our difficulties, the things that are irritants and whatever. Help us not to complain, but help us to really engage in giving thanks and praying so that our joy can return, that the world can see that you can have different responses to difficult things. And we ask you for this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So God bless you, friends, and have a great rest of the day.